0: Episode 84, the Jared Tenorti episode. Bruins legend, noted tough guy, Jared Tenorti. I'm Evan Maranofsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up?
1: Evan, doing well. How you doing?
0: Doing great. I think Bruins fans would love a little dose of Jared Tenorti these days. It's funny, I was doing a Q&A for Bruins beat, and a couple of the questions surrounded toughness and the team eating toughness. And he was always kind of that go to guy, right? Even with Tom Wilson, he was, you know, he was. Dropping the gloves. Didn't he fight Tom Wilson like less than 24 hours after driving to Boston? Yeah, it was, it, was
1: quite, it was quite the introduction for Jared Tony. Like literally drove <laughs> up from, I think it was Nashville, I want to say. Is where they, Nashville. Got they drove from Nashville. Yeah, drove straight there just to fight Tom Wilson. So quite, yeah. again, it's almost like uh, Trent Frederick when he used Brendan Tano's face as a speed bag. Like if you want to introduce yourself to Bruins fans, just fight someone. Like, it, Easy. It's a pretty set formula, right?
0: yeah i mean that is really the truth like if you if you don't have much else just fight like bruins fans will love you you will sell t-shirts they they will cheer your name from the balcony even like tyler lewington i think if he'd had like two more yes. fights he would be like oh they need him on the back end more um but anyways uh bruins are now out west they will play the kraken on uh, technically last night we're recording this a few hours before the actually more than a few hours before the game it's 10 p.m start time so we up late watching this one um But uh, they last played on Monday, President's Day Monday, big 5-1 win over the Avalanche, one of the best wins of the season for them. But the question comes down to how much stock do you actually put in a middle of the regular season game like this?
1: Uh, A little bit, right? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's definitely a step in the right direction. You look at their last couple of games, be it that horrible letdown game at UBS Arena or that mm. win over the Ottawa Senators where you leave that game just being like, uh, you know, overtime win, you take the points, you move on, survive in advance, but it doesn't make you feel that good. You, you'd imagine if you wanted a bounce back game, it was going to be that game against Ottawa. So mm-hmm. again, to turn around and then I don't think people's uh, expectation were all that high going into that avalanche game. I think people were kind of expecting <laughs> the worst, especially with Brian Marchand still out. So, for them to do that, to win a game like that, it wasn't just the fact that the Ruins got two points, you know, regardless of how they did it. It wasn't like it was a a shootout 6-5. You had the offense finally breaking through against a good team, and you also, down the other end of the ice, they really locked them down. I mean, the only goal they got was that McKinnon laser on the power play. That was (laughs) it. So, um, you add in the fact that, even though I think the defense did a fantastic job of, you know, keeping – the avalanche the outside and limiting those great looks. Still for Jeremy Swimming, if you're any goalie who leaves a game against the Avalanche with just one goal against, pretty pretty well, damn good. So I mean, I think at this point in the season, is it this major turning point? Is it, you know, is it time to, you know, get the duck boats ready again? No, of course not. Right. <laughs> we're still in the dog days of February. Um, but in terms of the response you were looking for, it at least offers some optimism that one, this offense should be closer to breaking out especially now that brad marshans back in the fold and you're keeping that coil line intact uh defense you know we can still have the discussion of whether they should add at the deadline but they're still better than the way they put on of, over those last couple of games against new york and ottawa and jeremy Swingman looking pretty good like all things considered since rouse has been gone he's really uh stepped it up and is looking more and more like a number one guy and you know he gets that uh shootout loss to the Rangers, but as we talked about last week, um, still a lot to be really encouraged by with that showing against the Rangers and Chesterkin. So plenty of good, you know, takeaways uh, from a game like that, but let's see them build it up a little bit more, right? Like if, if they come back from this West Coast trip where you're not exactly facing the top brass in the NHL and you come back with four or five wins or what have you, then that's another step in the right direction where at least you're building some momentum. You hopefully some of these lines are gelling and you're starting to brace yourself for one, the trade deadline season, and two, just getting ready for the eventual push to the postseason.
0: Maybe on their way through San Jose, they'll pick up like Tomas Hurdle. They'll just kind of like grab him like uh Marshan did to uh Robbie Fabri, who just kind of grabbed him on the bench, took him in. Um you mentioned Swayman. I think that's the interesting part of this whole uh run, especially considering, you know, all season we kind of said we want Swayman to do better against better teams against playoff teams. And that's sort of what he did against the abs, right? And then he also has, again, it was a shootout loss, but he still held his own against just and was terrific in that Rangers game. Again, last four games for Swayman, 3-0-1, .96 goals against average 960 save percentage. I mean, that is as good as you can get against those teams pretty much. And I think it's an encouraging sign to see him starting to play really well um, against these really good teams. The other thing, I forget if you mentioned this or not, no Marshand. Yes. Runes don't have Marchand against the Avalanche, which is a big, big loss. And they put up five goals. And David Posternock, who had been sort of um, slow of late, yeah. uh, except up until that o- Ottawa game, comes out with two goals. I believe he had an assist as well in that game. Um, so, again, a lot to like in the game. But as you said, it's dog days of February. You know, you can't get. You know, you can't get- Super high on, on one game, especially that game, um, which I think i saw before the game that uh, in matinees, the Bruins were 4-0, the Avalanche were like 7-1. So I guess if the Bruins and the Avalanche play a Stanley Cup, it's got to be played like during the day, right? It's got to just happen. It's got to be all afternoon games, weekday, midday games, just what you like. You're going to have to the so.
1: schedule just a little bit, but yeah, you know, yeah. as long as you tweak it, just I really have to like their odds if it's just all, you know, classic one o'clock games for the playoffs.
0: Oh, yes. That'll that that that'll be perfect. Um, so with Martian coming back, you get a normal first line. You get Martian and Bergeron together. Uh, the one thing, though, is Jake DeBrusque is now getting reps with uh, Martian and Bergeron on the top line. And I think a lot of people kind of go, first of all, how is he still here? <laughs> second of all, <laughs> second of all mm, is that who you really want next to them on that top line?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those situations where look at the other available candidates. I mean, we've talked about it before. It was one of my bold predictions that they were going to put Oscar up there. It's not even in the mix. Yeah. So, I mean, they they, they could. Yeah. If DeBrusque eventually gets moved, maybe that's the guy you turn to. Um, But in terms of available options on the lineup, I guess DeBrusque makes the most sense from the perspective of, you know, he's kind of riding a little bit of the hot hand. He's got two goals in two games. Seems like he's kind of finding his game. Once again, he's kind of going through those peaks and valleys that we've seen from uh, DeBrusk in the past, but you also, you know, on the op- opposite side of that same coin, he's kind of gelling right now in that fourth line with no sick and Lazar. And he's, you know, at his natural position at left wing, is it better just to kind of leave him there as opposed to kind of disrupting kind of the groove he's in? Because as we've seen before, when you shoot him to the weak side on the, on the right wing, it's not like it's exactly, you know, led to his success. I mean, he's been paired with like David Krejci, at right wing before and hasn't worked out either, where he's just kind of in that he's kind of the square peg in the round hole there. It just doesn't fit. So again, I think we've talked about it plenty of times before. I'm sure we mentioned it with the steam discussion. Like you put most guys with Brad Marshall and Patrice Bergeron, you're going to have a pretty damn good line. So who knows? Maybe.
0: I think they could put us with them. Yeah. Maybe not. No, <laughs> I wouldn't go
1: that far, but <laughs> all that. things considered, you could make that argument that even though he may not exactly fit there, that's uh, still going to be a capable top line, effective line. If we, you know, the Bruins commit to this for a, f- a week or so and DeBrus comes out of it with, you know, three goals or what have you, and it's raising his stock, it's giving you at least a competent top six line for the time being. And it raises, you know, Debrest's stock where a few weeks down the road, maybe, maybe he gets moved and it, you know, you get a better return from him as opposed to. I don't know, a, a second round pick or something. If you get an actual player value back and it's, it's helped by the fact that you kind of gave him this opportunity to kind of roll with this top line, then it seems like it satif- satisfies all parties, right? Because as we talked about, I think every single time the has had a good game or a good stretch, it helps everyone involved when he's playing well, like the Bruins get production. They're raising his stock to hopefully get a better piece in return and it accelerates. You would think Uh DeBrusque eventually getting moved is what he requested back in November. So if he plays well, if that top line plays well with him in that spot, everyone stands to benefit.
0: I am curious if Don's kind of give Bruce a nudge. Like, "Hey, Can you put Brusk on the top and just kind of like raises value a bit, you know, gets higher numbers. He gets to play with Martian and Berger. And we get to say that he put with Martian and Berger. Obviously teams are not dumb, uh, but you know, I mean, for instance, I believe the fourth period reported that San Jose was interested uh, in, in Jake DeBrusque. So, that's another thing. You get to go to San Jose and have him be on that top line. That's, I think that's a legit, a legit thing. Um, I did some research into this and DeBrusque on the top line. And since 2019-20, uh, Corsi 4 percentage of 65.35, which is pretty good. Again, that's in 50 minutes yes. of total time <laughs> over the course of three years. So again, this is all numbers stick with a grain of salt. Two goals for, uh, three goals against. Expected goals for of two point two four and expected goals against of one point four one. So again, a very tiny, tiny sample size. I don't expect this to be very good, uh, but the numbers again in the past have not been terrible. So there's no reason to say that this is going to be, you know, immediately be horrible. Um, but there's a chance that it, it it could be okay. You know, I think it, it, they could benefit from this. Um, should be interesting to see. Not pick guy on the top line. Um, again I again I like Steen. I don't know why that wasn't I don't know why they just sent him to Providence the way they did. Uh, he was sent because of he, they felt his game stalled, correct?
1: Pretty much, yeah, which you would think that it's a pretty quick antidote or a quick fix is putting him with Martian and Bergeron to give him a bit of a boost. Um, but I mean, I, I guess I could see the argument there in terms of you don't want to disrupt one. Uh, Taylor Hall is playing very well, so I think you have to keep him with Pasta right now. I think that's essential. And then the, the I guess the quickest easiest fix would be putting Craig Smith back on that top line. But I think the Bruins really want to commit to see how this third line kind of gels with Frederick Coyle and Smith, because even if maybe they're not lighting up the stat sheet, I think you'd look at the eye test, the optics of how well they're playing. That's a line that could be a difference maker in the playoffs when it comes to possessing the puck, throwing their weight around. I mean, look, for example, that first goal from Pasternak on Monday against Colorado, where they didn't factor into the scoring, but that whole sequence started because they were – hold on to the puck for over a minute in the offensive zone. So if you're able to keep that line together and they continue to get traction and you have to imagine whether it's Frederick who had a couple of grade a looks uh, against Colorado, if he starts burying those chances and raises his value. If Craig Smith, who seems like he's been due for a goal for months now, if he <laughs> starts time. scoring, yeah, if they keep you know playing sticking to their game, that third line uh, sooner or later, those chances are going to convert, not to say that they're going to be a, a line that's going to be, you know, pantsing the opposition. It's not going to be like, you know, the, the Tampa Bay third line of, you know, Goudreau and and Coleman uh, and those guys. Right. But if they can still be a very effective third line, kind of similar to what it was in 2019, you got something cooking there. So I understand maybe the hesitancy to put Smith back up there, but whether it's DeBrusque right now, Steen, or maybe it's someone you acquired the deadline. You have to imagine there's still kind of that hole there in that top line that you you have to fill because right now I don't really think you want to disrupt that middle six grouping.
0: No, I agree. Do you remember? Uh, this is a long time ago. Maybe you've seen the video. Maybe you haven't. Um, I forget what someone they were. It was just like a, a random ice sheet, like a rink, and yeah, I don't even know where. And there was like a. It looked like the thing that they do that sport where you like. Shovel it along, um, yeah. curling, little curling, like it looks like a puck, but it's really fat. And do you remember the video where the guy comes in and just takes a slap shot with it and it goes straight through the net? Goes through the glass and then lights the snack shack on fire. Have you seen this video?
1: I don't believe so. But it's oh, well
0: for people who have. You painted a very vivid imagine, picture though, Evan. A very vivid picture. That's how I imagine Craig Smith's first goal to go in. It's gonna like he's gonna shoot it like through the net, it's gonna go through like the stands, it's gonna like you know, take out everything in its path. I mean he's say, tried his damned
1: as I mean that guy is like shot from yes. literally every possible <laughs> angle. It's like that that movie Wanted with James McAvoy, who's just like banking it off every single like corner, or anything, try to get a goal. So you have to imagine Imagine that. I mean, he's a guy that's already kind of been known for scoring in bunches. So, if that line just starts contributing a bit more, all of a sudden, I think you have even more incentive for Cassidy to keep on keeping that line together.
0: It's like when D.A. Heatley was shooting from the corner.
1: You know, yes, just exactly. Like, any,
0: anything, anything towards the net, anything towards the net. But you mentioned uh, the third line, maybe not passing the analytics test, passing the eye test. You know, what passes both analytics and the eye test are good friends over at Bet Online.
1: Right you are, Evan. Listen up, guys. <laughs> Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full swing for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, shout out Ooh. Michigan, bet Online <laughs> is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's promo code CLNS50. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to Olympic coverage. LOL. Simply, bu- simply put, they are the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online with a game. Stats,
0: stats. Where are the games? Stats. Speaking of things, statting, uh The Philip Forsberg trade rumors are in full swing, which is just exactly what you expected, right? Yeah. It's funny when the pre- it's funny when the Predators were here like a month ago and they were one of the best teams in hockey. They've fallen since. They're like fourth in the Central now, I think, and they're just they've kind of hit a rut. Am I? I'm right on this, right? I think. they Yeah. Just I kinda... believe
1: they, they they so they beat the the Panthers recently, which is obviously a big deal. But they lost four in a row before that. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> like I mean, the I don't even know what they're doing because I think we were all in agreement last year that you looked at that team, they didn't really have a a, a loaded prospect pool. You don't really ex- expect them to go anywhere. Last year's kind of the year to start selling guys off, right? I mean, if you traded Forsberg with a year of control, you get a huge return and you know, you had guys like Akholm, who, which we talked about for about 40 episodes of this podcast.
0: Oh, it I a good of a
1: <laughs> So, I mean, the fact that they go out, they don't sell, they then re-sign Akholm and a few other guys, and now they get to this point where, again, kind of up and down, but you kind of look at the way they played. That's a team that, if they get into the playoffs, wouldn't surprise me if they, like, punch and grinded their way through a couple of rounds. I mean, they're a pretty tough physical team, so to now all of a sudden be like, well, yeah, we're going we're gonna to move our best, our far and away our best offensive player. <laughs> like, all right, what, what, what exactly are we doing here?
0: Yeah, I'm interested in this because, again, UC Soros has the potential, as you said, to, like, get hot and carry them through playoff series. He was an all-star and everything. So Forsberg's a target. He has a cap hit of uh, $6 million per year. He's a UFA at the end of this year, which is, I think, why they're kind of dumping him. I think it, aside from the Bruins, I think this does hit at a bigger point. The teams value, and I don't think it's anything new, but they value top four left shot defensemen way more than they value wingers. I think the Predators look at this, and granted, I'm not a Predators expert, so I'm not, there's no inside information. The guy this in Nashville
1: punching his radio right now. Yes. Just <laughs> like the Islander. <laughs> I don't know why they're but, listening to us, but yeah. Yeah, what, what
0: are you doing? Listen somewhere else. Um, just kidding. If you're from Nashville, we love you. Um, but I think it kind of hits the point of top four left shot defensemen are much more important in the sense that a guy like Eckholm is not going to come along all the time. Whereas a potential first line right wing in Philip Forsberg, I think the Predators look at him and say, you know, granted, are we going to find the next Forsberg? Probably not. But we can find someone who can, you know, put up consistent production. Whereas we can't find someone who plays the way Ekholm does. I think maybe that's why they are kind of opting to, sell Forsberg but keep at which doesn't make sense because you could have done a full rebuild with those two guys. You could have got yeah. a haul last year. Um but in terms of the Bruins, again the Bruins have been you know, rumored to be in on some wingers. Uh I think if Forsberg were to come here, it would have to be with a wink wink nod 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 that he is going to stay and re sign. Um I would guess that he would go on the top line with Marshannon Bergeron.
1: Yeah. I mean even though he's, he's a yeah he's a right shot even though he's a left wing. So I, we know we talked about this. I think yesterday when this news first broke, like, is it the is it the perfect fit? Probably not. But I'm also willing to overlook all of that because Philip Forsberg is filthy. That guy is filthy. Forced, filthy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're looking for uh, for all the guys we've talked about, whether it be JT Miller, Hurdle, uh, Connor Golland, all all these guys we've mentioned, Claude Giroux, in terms of pure talent, in terms of scoring, uh, Forsberg's your guy. He's a guy who I think is on pace for, I think, like 44 goals and 95 points this year. I don't think he's even uh, – and I think he's even missed some time along the way. He's so.
0: 44 40, and 38 right now.
1: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, legit player. Um, a guy that if you're looking for that vacancy on that top line, if you – as much as I think we've talked before about the fact that, you know, is Eric Howell the guy you want at 2C going into playoffs? Well, if your top six is then Martian Bergeron Forsberg – Paul, Hall, Paula, Hall, uh, Pasternak—you could probably overlook it at least for this one year. I still think you've got to address that vacancy in the coming years down the middle, whether that's spending big for someone else or hopefully you draft someone down the line. So that would help. Um, yes, that would help out quite a bit. So if you're the Bruins again, it's going to also depend on who's available. You know, we could be looking at this deadline in a few weeks from now, and even though probably the Bruins would like to add down the middle, if Vancouver's not moving J.T. Miller, which seems like they're kind of hesitant to do. You look like they want to move more of a guy like Besser or Garland before that. And if Thomas Hurdle resigns with San Jose, which seems like that could be a kind of a Kreider situation, which is kind of the ultimatum of all right, are you signing or not? Because if not, we're going to move you. But worked out well for New York to do that with Kreider. So who knows what Hurdle does. So if we get to that point and all those guys are off the table, and you're looking at like. I don't know, Andrew Kopp or one of these other guys and other guy <laughs> down the middle you add. Maybe you're like, well, we'll have to still do some major, you know, cap gymnastics down the road to probably add a center at the off season. But we de- if, if a guy like Forsberg falls in our lap and it's a guy that we have to give quite a bit to get, but adds a legit 30, 35 goal scorer to our lineup, then maybe you do that. Look at, I mean, before Eichel showed up, San Jose, kind of, not San Jose, Las Vegas kind of thrived after just having no center for you know yeah. not a legit center so not to say that that's a sustainable path and what do you know they have eichel now so they don't have to worry about it but um if you're looking for best talent available uh Forsberg's probably your guy it's just for the bruins you have to assess what the price is how much you're gonna have to pay for him because i feel like he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be nine nine and a half ten million a year
0: yeah especially I mean, with the I, year he's having this year yeah
1: exactly so uh i mean it's Complicated to kind of sort through ex- exactly what the market's going to be, and I still think probably center is the priority. But if you're the Bruins and you're looking to add any sort of offense, would not be surprised if they're kicking the tires and a guy like Forsberg. He's he's that good.
0: It's funny, Hockey Reference has him listed as a center, uh but obviously he, he's been playing the wing this year. So I don't know if he, if he can play center. I mean, then that's maybe even worth it more. Yeah. But again, he hasn't played center this year. Um, the other thing is, and you mentioned what the Bruins would have to pay him per year, around nine million. Not only would you have to pay a ton for him contractually, you'd have to pay a lot in return for him in a trade. And I think that's another thing, another obstacle that you'd have to jump over in this because it feels like a comp to Forsberg could potentially be a prospect like Fabian Lysel, um, or you know, and or a first round pick or other prospects i'm curious what you think it would take to get a guy like forsberg
1: yeah i mean i i guess it depends on just how much Nashville's kind of setting that market like i would be kind of surprised if like Lysel lori is the 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 deciding factor there if you're looking if you're talking about a guy like jt miller or garland who are under term for a long time or or chickering obviously then i think that's no no brainer but i kind of when you look at rentals, especially, and the leverage teams have, unless you're in a true bidding war for a team, they're willing to go over the top. I don't see how maybe a guy like Lysel is the real asking price there. I'm sure a team will ask for it at first, but I don't know why the Bruins would budge on it. I mean, it kind of reminds me of um, the Mark Stone trade, right? Where when he was, you know, put up for grabs, people were like, oh my God, it's going to cost so much. Like it's going to be a haul Bruins. I mean, at that point it was, you know, Stadnika and these guys like we can't move Stadnika. We can't <laughs> He's the blue chip guy. Um But then you look at what he got traded for. And of course, yeah, the first round pick and a few other guys, but Ben, uh, however you say his name, Branstrom, Benstrom. Brandstrom. Like, yeah. He's in the NHL now. He's like a everyday guy, but you see the blue chip prospect, you know, like it's one of those ones where it's like, Oh, Mark stone
0: was worth more. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And when that trade first came through, even before we knew what exactly that, you know, defense defenseman is going to be it wasn't like oh wow they gave up a haul it's like oh this is about right you know top five prospect in their system first round pick a few of the bodies for a rental a one-year guy that they had to eventually resign so i don't know if exactly a, a guy like lysell is going to be moved in a deal like that especially if you don't know if he's going to sign or not and maybe it changes if you're able to get an agreement as part of the deal maybe that changes things but if you're going into it just with the anticipation of getting him on board for a cup run. Hopefully you've re him afterwards. If Nashville is holding firm on a guy like Lysel, I think you have to just walk away because it's not worth it then. If you, if you're convincing me, you get a, a piece for the future, like a, a Miller and Garland or Chickering or what have you, then maybe do a double take where you look at a guy you can build for going forward. But it's kind of the pros and cons of uh, acquiring a rental, like a hurdle or, or, um or Forsberg where it's, Yeah, there's a risk they fly at the end of the year and you wasted a first-round pick for nothing. But if you give up that first-round pick and you have this piece for this year and for the future, it's a risk worth taking. So I don't know if a a guy like Lysel is exactly going to be the asking price, but market's weird, man. Last year, if you told me David Savar was going for a first and a third, I'd say you were crazy. And that's what Tampa gave up for him. Again, that's a team that was desperate to go over the top. So who knows what a team like Florida is going to do. Yeah, who knows what a team like Florida is going to do. It's like... Florida going to trade for, you know, give up Spencer Knight for a Chickering wouldn't surprise me, right? Like those, no. those mm-hmm. I feel like a team like that is going to be desperate enough to move some of these pieces they have.
0: Yeah. Could you say like Spencer Knight's going back to college playing at ASU. Yes, exactly. Um, it it doesn't feel though like the Bruins are in on uh on rentals. Feels like they're gonna be in on guys who have term or who at least, as I said, give the, the wink wink nudge nudge, hey, I'm gonna sign here after yeah. this is done. Um and again, Forsberg, I don't know. Again, with these guys, it's hard to tell if you know if they like Boston or not. Taylor Hall was always a Boston guy, so that felt more like a, a sure thing. You also didn't give up much to get him. Yes. Um, so that might be another comp I mean again Taylor Hall's value was extremely low last year he also basically said I only want to go to Boston yeah. so that's kind of why you only give up Bjork in a second you're not doing that with Forsberg but maybe you're right maybe Lysell isn't the the be all end all of the deal yeah. uh, which I, would be nice again yeah, if it was I mean, like Debrusque even that'd be great
1: exactly yeah I think if you're acquiring a rental for the Bruins you're only doing it if you've done your homework of you know maybe it's not a, a sure deal that they're gonna like you know uh, sign a contract right after you get traded for them but you heard Hall all throughout kind of this uh, stretch before he officially resigned talking about how much he loved Boston appreciated it. I feel like they're doing their homework and you're not acquiring a pending free agent unless you know that it's a a guy that'd be interested in staying here long-term. Like, I don't think you're giving up a first. It's almost like the Rick Nash thing where again, they gave up that first gave up a lot for him, a guy like lingering who they could sure use now, but (laughs) I I believe, you know, the Bruins were like pretty candid about that, that it wasn't for the concussions. They viewed him as a long-term, kind of piece in this window to kind of pay with Krejci going forward. It just unfortunately the concussion issues made him retire. So I don't think they're giving up uh a lot for a rental if they don't think they're it's a guy that they can add, you know, not just this year, but in the years ahead.
0: Imagine Krejci's looking over. Imagine the Bruins get Forsbury's looking over going, you got Forsbury, you got Taylor Hall now. All after I leave. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I've got till March twenty first. Uh, I know. Season, I know, right?
1: Regular season ends on March 9th and then check Extra Liga. Don't forget.
0: So there you go. He he might be coming back. Mm -hmm. That'd be jumping through waivers and everything. But hey, I mean, there's ways you could make it work.
1: I'm just saying, you know, you get Forsberg. David Krejci comes back. A team like Arizona claims him. You trade a fourth-round pick for him. You got David Krejci with Hall and Pasternak. You got Forsberg. I'm just saying.
0: So then then in that case. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Rest in peace. Um, Rest in peace. I just went on that. Um, there was a. Uh, you, you, now that you're on this, then I if, if those were if that was your top six, we're getting people so uh, riled up with this. But if it was Marshan Bergeron Forsberg uh, Hall Krejci Pasternak, I would comfortably say. That's a Stanley Cup contender. I would have no issue saying that uh, because that that's is a, a ridiculous that's top six. That's
1: a, that's a wagon of a top six. I mean, again, that's why I'm
0: putting this up. Yeah, you have to do
1: some major I'm cap joking. gymnastics, but um, yeah, it'd be interested in the off season if you are intent on actually re signing a guy like that. But you never know. I'm just uh, saying, March 9th, COFR HC Olamook, however you say that. I bet I <laughs> butchered that pronunciation, but see how far they go.
0: Hey, you never know, never know. Um, on D, another a, a guy who the Bruins have been uh, interested in. You wrote about this was Hamp is Hampus Lindholm of the Anaheim Ducks, who feels like he's been on the trade block for like years right. now. Yeah, I think this, this is like one of those names. Like, um, oh, who's another one who's always been on the trade block? Well, Jack Eichel for a long time. Um, Eichel was another. It felt like they were on forever. Um, but Hampus Lindholm again, five point two oh five million dollar cap hit. He's a UFA at the end of the year. Uh, stable top four left shot defenseman defensively isn't uh, his numbers aren't amazing this year in Anaheim, but he's also in Anaheim, who yeah. was a team that everyone loved at first and now has sort of fallen of late. Um, they're kind of on that teeter; they're kind of like Nashville teetering on: do we sell? Do we yeah. do we stand pat? Do we buy? Um, but in the event that Lindholm does go, how well, how good of a fit would it be here?
1: I mean, he would fit in terms of maybe just stabilizing that top four because even though maybe he's. One, he's still a skilled, you know, point producing guy, Uh, big body, 6'4", not exactly known as a thumper. He's not like Ekholm, who, again, was offensively talented, but also could, you know, bring some muscle to it. I mean, that's a guy that was tough in the corners, would really shut down players in the slot. Uh, I mean, that was like kind of the perfect fit there. So, uh, not Ekholm, Lindholm, too many sweets. (laughs) Lindholm's not nearly as maybe nasty in that regard, but still, he's a – big body minutes eater. If that's a guy where you put him next to Brennan Carlo and your top four for the next four or five years is, you know, Grizzly McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, you're feeling a lot better about yourself in terms of the, just the personnel you have there. Um, But one, it's going to come down to, again, the, the risk assessment of whether or not you want to, you know, bring in a guy in Lindholm who it seemed like, as you said, a few weeks ago, ducks weren't even going to sell and they may not even, but, seems like everything you've heard out in Anaheim. And I, you know, I think there was a piece in the athletic where they talked to Lindholm about his career. Seems like he's very intent on going to a free agency, and getting paid. So those are the guys, maybe you're a little bit hesitant about that. Even if you acquire him and he has a great time here, still is going to go to free agency and see who's going to throw the, throw the bag at him. Right. So there's that risk. And again, I, I, between that, it's all going to come down to, I think for the Bruins, what you identify as the key thing you need to add to this roster. Cause you can't get, uh, you you know, you can't get David Krejci off waivers and a legit top six wing and a top four D. I'm joking. You can't do all those things all within the span of a couple of days with the assets that you have, obviously. So I think if it's acquiring one impact top six guy or top four D, you have to decide what exactly is the best fit there. And, um, you know, if you come out of it and you focus your attention on getting a a hurdle or a Garland or someone like that, that really bolsters your scoring. And then you get, I don't know, a Justin Braun, like a third bearing kind of just defense. only guy. Guy. Yeah. a guy like that who is a rental, but you're not going to give up that much. And at the very least solidifies the bottom of your, of your decor. Maybe that's a move you take. It's kind of a half measure to, to bolster your lineup a little bit. So it's all going to come down. I think for the Bruins to identifying what exactly is the main area of need, because it drives people crazy because the Bruins will have a game like uh, Carolina where you point to their expected goals and be like, listen, they're tops in the league, and then they you know, give up four <laughs> or five goals and people lose their minds. But you have to look at just what's more pressing, either that or scoring, which on paper it seemed like is going to be the, the biggest Achilles heel. is just needing one more extra talented playmaker somewhere in that lineup.
0: What's funny is Lindholm, again, the left side for the Bruins is interesting because there's so many options. Like, the right side, there isn't. But on the left, you've got Grizzlick, Riley, Forbert, Vakanainen, John Moore. When he wasn't hurt, Jakob Zaboru. You have all these options. And, you know, obviously Lindholm would play over them, uh, play over at least uh, everybody but Grizzlick. But it's an interesting thing because, it's like, who would get bumped down? Um, whereas on the right side, I think it's more clear that, that Clifton... Um, would would be would be the guy. Uh, the other thing is, I feel like Lindholm is a Maple Leaf through and through, and here's why. First of all, Muzzin goes on the LTIR, so now oh, you got gang. space. So now you got space, and the Leafs are so adamant about getting a defenseman. They have been forever this number one defenseman that they overpay these like borderline top two, mainly like second pairing left shot defenseman like a Jake Muzzin, and basically turn him into. Are he's our num- you know, number one, number two guy, feels like they're going to do the same with Lindholm. So I almost feel like uh, Toronto would be the team that would would get Lindholm. I think if I have any bold deadline prediction, it would be like Hampus Lindholm yeah. will go to Maple Leafs.
1: I mean, wow. they're going to need something because poor, uh, poor Campbell is going to just get ground into dust there. It happens every single year where they ride these goalies that are, aren't proven for these reps into the ground, and they don't really have a good decor in front of them anyway. So that team's going to need some help somewhere.
0: I think I was reading somewhere today, like, oh, Jack Campbell, you know, he's, he's finally Toronto's goalie. He's the guy. And it's like, have, let's get past the first round of the playoffs yeah. first.
1: And, and it's one of those things, too, where it's like you're knocking this guy who, like, is, again, it seems like a pretty talented goalie. He's got you good returns. But look at Freddie Anderson. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe have a good defense and don't grind these guys into dust in the regular season while you stack up points
0: crazy how that works I, I didn't realize that's that's how you know it's crazy that's like it's like almost like every other team has been doing this um anyways uh connor what can the people look forward to over at boston sports journal
1: Evan, we'll have uh, continued coverage throughout this Bruins uh, road trip out on the West Coast. We'll be up late for all of these games, giving you game recaps, features, breakdowns, working on a couple of uh, other features uh, throughout the next couple of weeks that we're excited to share. So you can find all that stuff on BostonSportsJournal.com, so subscribe there. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at ConorRyan underscore 93.
0: Go do all that. What's funny is the Bruins are on a West Coast road trip as I take a West Coast road trip. So crazy how that works. I will not be at the games, though, unfortunately. I will be yes. avoiding ski injuries in Park City, Utah, hopefully. I uh, can't have God another. Speed. S- someone brought up skiing to me on Twitter once uh, recently, and someone replied, like, that's a really sore subject for Evan. Why'd you do that? And I was like, yeah, right? Like, come on. You know, yeah. I got banged up that last time. Uh, speed, anyways, I will. I will try my best. Connor, always a pleasure. That's Connor Ryan, uh, Boston Sports Journal, Evan Maronofsky. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day.